And here's what he said that you've heard. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think that's a statement that you and I would say is very true. It doesn't matter how many degrees I have. If I don't care for people, it makes no difference. If people don't know how much I care, uh, they don't care how much I know. I think a book about overcoming feelings of fear and anger would be incomplete without a description of this chapter from Paul, 1 Corinthians 13. Perfect love is able to cast away fear and anger. Let me say that again. Perfect fear is able to cast away fear and anger. When I am perfectly loved and I feel that love, I am not afraid. I grew up in a family where I did not fear for the love of my parents. I was very fortunate. Some of you may not have grown up that way. I understand that. But I did. I I had no doubt that my parents loved me. And I, I, I felt accepted and loved and I had no fear I was fearless literally Uh, I didn't have any fear Uh, and I had no anger either because I was accepted one day a minister was waiting in the hospital and the Lord taught him how to overcome this idea of misunderstanding God's idea of fearing God and the love of God as he sat in the waiting room um, to do a blood test, there was a, it was in Nigeria, there, there was a small boy sitting next to him, and he asked what his name was, and his name was Nuhu. And he was afraid, the little boy was. You know, he'd never had a blood test before. He didn't know what was going to go on. Uh, he knew it, it involved some needles. <laughs> and for many people, that's enough, right? You know, um, like I said, I stick myself four times a week, so I have no problem with it. But this little kid was afraid. And then the nurse appeared in her little white uniform, and she came out and grabbed his hand and was getting ready to take him back. And the minister said that he looked at Nuhu, and something, a look came on his face, and he said something in the Hashua language, which is Nigeria, and he said, Wayo, W-A-I-Y-O, Wayo. And the translation is something like this, I'm a goner. <laughs> I'm dead. If you don't see me again, you'll understand why. That's what it meant. And it got him thinking. The little boy felt like even God couldn't save him now. Now, we know it's silly. He was going to be fine, but he didn't know that. I think as the minister sat there, he said, he was watching the little boy go into that room, and he thinks that it helped him see that when the Lord calls on people, understand what he's saying, when the Lord calls on people through adversity, when the Lord calls on people through sickness, when the Lord calls on people through setback, they immediately think, oh no, what have I done now that God is punishing me? Um, I would tell you that I have had my fair share of those incidents in my life. Uh, where sickness and illness and tragedy have happened like you have had. But I hopefully don't feel that way. Many people seem to fear God in an unhealthy way. It's one thing to respect God, the fear of God, respect. It's another to shake for fear that God is going to zap you. Again, the picture, that's more of a picture of Zeus from Mount Olympus who zaps people when, you know, capriciously which is not what God does. 
he really has our best interest in mind. I mean, if he gave his own son, isn't that enough for us to understand how much we're loved? And yet sometimes we act that if anything goes wrong in our life, God must be upset with us, and that is not the case. He was not upset uh, with Job in the Old Testament, was he? Was he upset with Job? No. He said, look at Job. He's an example of what I want you to see, and yet he went through trial and adversity, not because of what he had done wrong. I think he allows hardships, God does, for our good so that we can accept the treatments he wants us to have. I don't mean hospital treatments. I mean whatever treatment it is. However he wants to strengthen us, how he wants to purify us. The Bible talks of him as being a what? Refiner's fire. To be refined, I must go through the flames. I must go through adversity. I must go through difficulty. Paul certainly did. I mean, Paul writes most of the New Testament, and he has these issues that he approaches God over, right, again and again, and they don't go away that he might be stronger in the Lord, refined. Jeremiah, you know the passage 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans of welfare and not for calamity to give you a great future and hope. God's on your side. He says he's on our side. But yet when we have difficulty, it seems that we quiver and fear before him when we approach him. That is a problem, I think, if that's the way we approach God. Instead, he, he wants us to approach him certainly reverently, respectfully. There's no doubt about that. But to do it in such a way that I show my love for him when I follow him. He is our shepherd right the lord is my shepherd you read psalm 23 and the passage is of a loving god who does everything he can for his flock only love helps us overcome the enemy within our own sinful nature i think when i look at this passage of scripture i want to notice some comparisons and some contrasts if i can tonight uh what love is and what love is not. Think of it like that. So when I look at the passages and I talk about, I don't even, I, 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 I got 22 pages, folks. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> it's, just, it's not happening. I understand that. Some, some days, I mean, it's like, I'll just give you an insight. My average sermon page is 12 to 15 pages. That's, you know, and, and some of it's like baloney. I'm watching the time going, I can cut that out. You know, I, I get that. Uh, but, but as I look at this passage, there was so much in this passage to compare and contrast. First of all, what love is what it's not. Love is, the Bible says, long-suffering. Patient is one word for that. We, we saw that. Long-suffering. Love is an uncommon force that copes with suffering. Love helps suffering. It's long-suffering. It endures the pain. It endures the sorrow. It endures the anger. When we are exhibiting God's unconditional love, people become mature in that love, and it helps them to endure the pain of selfishness, of critical and immature scoffers, people who really have not grown 
and developed. Because those are the people who attack you, aren't they? The ones who don't understand what love really is and how relationships should be. So that you and I, because we know the love of God, have to be patient, long-suffering with those who do not understand the love of God. I've had the benefit of working in religious institutions most of my life. Not all. I worked for uh, some that were not religious in their nature. Um, And so I understand what it is to work with a group of people who do not respect the things of God. Many of you work in such situations or have worked in the situation. And you know that people are selfish and critical and immature. And I have to be patient and long-suffering and kind. I have to love them like God loved me. On the contrast, love is patient, but in the contrast, love is not in a hurry. I want you to think about that with that idea of being patient. Love's long-suffering or patience does not accept evil or adopt an attitude of resignation and give up. It is not in a hurry. I do not give up on people quickly, right? I'm not in a hurry. I don't accept it, but love is, is not blind to some, it's not blind to abuse, it's not blind to sin, it's not blind to ignorance, but it knows how to speak what? The truth in love. And it knows how to accomplish that. It's not naive. Love is not naive. I've met people before that say, well, you just don't know, you know, how the world is. Oh, buddy, I've seen the world. I know how the world is. I'm not naive. But I know the only thing that's going to win the world is God's love. Expressed through me patiently and not being in a hurry. I think love through God wants us to learn our Adversity is not our enemy. It is growing and strengthening us. Love is not judgmental in rushing to criticize someone else based on our own set of expectations or assumptions. I cannot judge you. God's your judge. I am not. So that means I'm going to be patient with you. I am not in a hurry in our relationship in God's love. God's love works out those issues. I let him do that. That's not my job. Let's look at the idea of love being kind. Love is kind. That's what it says in the Bible. Love is kind. It's considerate. It's benevolent. It's gentle to people. Those are what those words mean. That's what the kind word means when you translate it. Considerate, benevolent, gentle. When you look at Jesus in the New Testament, you get the idea that he was a gentle person. Children do not approach someone who is not gentle, do they? They're loud and boisterous and mad-sounding. Kids run away. But suffer the children, what? To come unto me. They were trying to get to Jesus, and the disciples were hindering them because the children loved Jesus so much. He was kind. He was gentle. He's kind. He's gentle to us. Kindness freely accepts another and seeks their good regard of what they are instead of what they can get me in return. I just want to be kind to people because I'm supposed to be kind. I'm not trying to manipulate them. If I'm nice to that person, maybe they'll get me something or be nice to me. That is not my motivation. My motivation is God's love. 
Love is kind. That's bottom line. Love is kind. That's it. It's not love is kind. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. No. That's not love is kind. Kindness even dares to be weak in front of people. Some people see kindness as a weakness. They they see it as, as a problem. They identify it as a problem or a weakness. Kindness though, looks for a way to enhance people, to heal their problems, and to help them regardless of who they are. Throughout time, because I've been a pastor, I've had to approach people who were less than kind to me over the years. They're people. They're people. And occasionally, you know, I've been asked, how could you do that? Because love is kind. It's not because Marty is kind. I guarantee you Marty does not want to be kind. Marty has an ego as well as anybody else has an ego, but yet the Bible tells me I should be kind because love is kind. So that's what I'm going to do. Not because I necessarily want to do it, but because God said that's the way I'm supposed to be, so that's what I'm going to do. Kindness is not gushy. It's intelligent and it's tough when necessary. When I am kind to people who are not kind to me, it takes intestinal strength sometimes. I will be nice to these people even when they are not nice to me. Kindness is love. Kindness is gentleness. Kindness is constructive. Kindness is knowing how to speak in healing tones to people who are in desperate need of God's love. Kindness is not though mean or apathetic. Love's kindness is not weakness in the face of overwhelming difficulties. I I don't just give up and go, well, I might as well just deal with it. See, that's resignation. That's apathy. God is not looking for apathetic Christians. He's looking for people who are strong. He's not looking for naive or gullible people. He's looking for people who are willing to sacrifice themselves, not their ethical principles. I will stand up against a, a nation who stands against God. I'm not gullible. I'm not mean. I'm not, I, I'm, uh, when, I, when we picket for abortion clinics against them, <laughs> I'd say for may be very clear there, against abortion clinics. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm not going to give up my ethical stance. I cannot do that. Kindness is not a shame to weep with those who weep. In the United States, if a man cries, he's a pansy, right? You know, men aren't supposed to cry. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Do you think Jesus, the God of all creation, with all the power in the world, is a pansy? I I don't even want to put those in the same sentence. No, of course he's not. Kindness is not unwilling to dish out discipline when necessary. I discipline my children because I love them. It's a kindness for them to learn that some things are dangerous and they don't need to be involved with it. Kindness does not condemn others because of their own moral code. There are people in the world I disagree with vehemently, but I'm not going to get red in the face and 
and speak so much that I spit on people because I'm so upset. I can't do that. Love is not mean, nor is it apathetic. Also, let's move to love as a commitment. Love is a commitment to God and his people. It is an unconditional pledge of loyalty and devotion and allegiance to be faithful and to be true to the message of the gospel. I will follow God's message. He tells me to go out and share that message. I'm going to share it with people. When they, even, to, even if they don't want to hear it, I'm going to try to share that. I made a commitment to God. Love does not vary according to the wind or the moods or the circumstances, the difficulties. I've made a commitment to God, and I will restrict my own desire in favor of God's will. Not my will, but his will. I made a commitment to him. I'm going to be the slave. He's the leader. I'm going to follow him. It's a commitment that overcomes the feeling of irritation that sometimes we feel in other people. I will make that commitment to share the love of God. Love is a commitment, but love is not jealous either. Jealousy is fear of losing someone or something at its heart. If I'm jealous, I'm afraid I'm going to lose someone or something. Uh, someone has more than me, I'm jealous. Someone says something nice to my family members. Am I jealous thinking they're trying to steal my family members away? Uh, it doesn't always have to be in, in, a, in a, a sexual way. Like, you know, if someone says something nice to my wife, am I afraid that they're trying to steal my wife? They could be trying to develop a relationship with my children and maybe pull them away that way. Am I jealous? Am I fearful? You know someone is jealous when they are afraid of losing what they call their rights. Oh man, that is a red flag for me. I have a right to do X. Really? I thought you gave up your rights to Jesus and your commitment to him. A jealous person is suspicious of other people. Jealous people are intolerant of other people. And, and they eventually are watchful for anyone or anything that could be a rival. They're jealous because they are not in control. Well, guess what? You weren't in control to begin with. Can I get an amen? You're never in control. He is in control. And so love is not jealous of anybody else because I am expressing the love of God I can't be jealous it's not part of my verbiage it's not part of my character it can't be let's look at this love is poised love is balanced when it says love is not proud that's what it means love is not proud means it is poised in the original language it is balanced when you poise something, you might display it, right? Um, you want it to be seen. Love is not shy because of that. I can't be shy. Now, maybe my, my characteristic is not to be shy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a shy person. My wife is. But I have seen her share with people. She's overcome her shyness because she is not too proud to share the gospel 
with someone. Love has the ability and to keep things in perspective. It, 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 it doesn't let the microscopic and the macroscopic overwhelm their lives in, in which I'm, I'm, I'm too detail-oriented or I'm so undetail-oriented, I let my life get run over. No, I want to be balanced in my life. I want God to take control, and I want to stand firm in the midst of it and be not proud Love is able to say no because it understands that given a certain position, it's not the right thing to do. Love is humble. It seeks counsel. It talks to other people. It it asks questions, not to manipulate people, but to find out what that person needs. Many people call me sometimes, and I will say, what can I do for you today? common response that I have when you call me what can I do for you today how can I help you today what is it you need from me see that's to me a balanced life that's what love does let's not proud it's not you know what can you do for me that's proud right what can I get out of you today but rather what can I do for you love's not proud love knows how to relate its strengths to others and is a blessing to other people Love's not proud, it's poised, it's balanced. Love is not, it says here, boastful or arrogant. Love is not boastful or arrogant. It does not demand its own way, its own rights, its own cultural expectations. If you serve anywhere else other than the place that you grew up, you will understand that people are different. I was I tickled, I was raised in Tulsa. Grew up in Tulsa. Uh, went to Tulsa schools, went to Will Rogers High School, went to University of Tulsa. I am Tulsa bred and born. Yay. Go Golden Hurricanes. You know. Where you live? Yeah. Where did I live? Admiral, Admiral in, in uh, 71st. So 71st Independence in that area. Okay. Admiral Twin Drive-In. Okay. okay. When I moved to Oklahoma City, you know, the pastor, they said, oh, those people from Tulsa, they're different. <laughs> When I lived in Tulsa, you know what they said about Oklahoma City? They're different. They're not like us. When I went to southwestern Oklahoma, oh, those people up there, Tulsa and Oklahoma City, they're different. Everywhere I went, everybody else was different, and that's just Oklahoma. Our cultural expectations are based upon where we live and what we have, and we think sometimes that it's better than someone else's. Love is not than overbearing or proud because I I don't have to have my own way. If we sing different songs than I sang when I grow up, I don't care. You know, if I go to a place where the songs may not be that I would like, I I try my best to learn the songs that are there. Uh, I, I may not enjoy it as much, but I'm not going to throw a fit because it's not just me that's being blessed in that audience that other people are. Love recognizes that we freely receive from God, and so we freely should give to others. Love is not boastful or arrogant. Love is is not eager to advance its own position. That's why that issue of people's rights always gets me. Love is not obsessed with control. Now, I will admit readily, I want to be in control. Oh, yes, I do. I, I mean, you know, 
When I'm in my car and I'm driving, get out of my way. I'm in control. It's my car. It's my lane. I feel that way, and I have to overcome that, that tendency that I know I have. Love does not try to look good to impress others. Wow. That's exactly opposite of what America says. You're supposed to dress to impress. And yet God says, no, not boastful, not arrogant, not proud. I am not too proud to admit my own shortcomings and deficiencies and sins. I am a sinner. The Bible says I am, right? And so are you. But I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to deal with my stuff. I'm not going to be too proud to say I'm better than you. I'm not. I'm the same as you. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Love is unselfish. Love is unselfish. Love seeks God's plan in order to accomplish all aspects of his will. Love is willing to sacrifice those rights that we talked about and desires and human expectations for the sake of what we talked about this morning, which is God's kingdom. Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God, and that's what I'm supposed to do too. I'm not greater than him. I don't have a better plan than God does. I need to promote his plan, and his plan is the kingdom of God. So love is is unselfish and is concerned with seeking others' benefits. That's why in the New Testament it talks about, and we've studied it, that you know if this offends my brother, I, I don't do it. If eating meat offends my brother, then I'm not going to do it. You know, is there anything wrong with the eating the meat in the New Testament? No, there's not. But it hurts somebody, so I'm not going to do it. I promote other people, not myself. I am unselfish, or at least I should be. Love recognizes the emptiness of self-love. You know, self-love is cannibalistic. I, I... If I only love myself, I will eat myself from the inside out because nobody else is of value, only me. And eventually I become so jaded because someone doesn't do what I want that I push everybody else away and I'm by myself. I've met people like that, haven't you? That they shove stiff-arm people because they feel they are the only ones who have the answer. Love goes beyond that self-centeredness and love is willing to deny its interests. Love... Love is willing to carry the cross. And isn't that what he asked us to do? Take up your cross and follow me. That is selflessness. That is following Jesus. Love does not, and I'll say it again, seek its own rights. Love waits for God to give to each person according to his needs, his plans, his powers. Whatever God wants them to have is what they're going to get. And I have to be patient. I I look at the Old Testament and I look at those prophets and how many years they preached with no result. Over and over again, you look at Old Testament prophets and they preached to the nation and the nation did not respond to the call of God. And, and, And yet they were not seen as failures in God's eyes. They were his prophets to proclaim the truth of God. Sometimes we're not patient enough to let God do something good for us because we expect things to be a certain way because of the gifts and abilities and resources that we have. We are not patient with God. 
Lord, I want to see this. You know, the world would tell you is you put it on a piece of paper, you stick it on your mirror every morning, you put it in your car, you put it on a tape, and, and you think good thoughts, and, and, it, and if you believe it enough, it's going to happen. Not biblical. Amen. Not biblical. Because sometimes God will put you in a place where you don't get what you want so that you can do what he wants. I have to sacrifice my own rights. I'm not going to sacrifice your rights, but I will sacrifice mine because love knows the best way to exercise God's self-denying love for myself in lieu of harmony with others. I'm going to seek justice. I'm going to seek truth. I'm going to seek grace for you. And if it means I have to give up something to do that, that's what I got to do. That's what he asked me to do. I give up my rights for you because God asked me to. And with that in mind, love is self-sacrificing. Love is self-sacrificing. Love is willing to take up one's own cross daily and follow him. We talked about that. Love is the, is the power that moves us to seek the best interests of others. Love is not masochistic. I, I, I don't beat myself. You know, you, you had the picture of, in the past of those priests and, uh, and they had flails and they would beat themselves on the back to, to show how religious they were or righteous they were. I, I, I don't come to you and say, well, I've given up my rights for you so you can get what you want. Oh, my gosh. I hear people talk like that. Oh, that's really what you need. I guess I will. Isn't that massacre? I'm trying to show how, how good I am because I've done something for you. No, that's the right-hand, left-hand thing. I don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. That's the way I should give up my rights for you. Without making a big deal out of it. Love's goal is to work toward a complete transformation of my mind. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Love says in essence, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. The qualities and quantities of what you want I leave in your hands. I'm just going to want to do what you want, God. Help me be self-sacrificing, and to follow you daily, to give up myself for yourself. Love does not seek its own self with the same idea of being it is self-sacrificing. Love is not interested in building my own kingdom. This is not my kingdom. <laughs> I know we, we, we come here and go, my church. I understand that. I mean, it's what we say. You want to come to my church? Let's go to my church. My church is doing X, you know. I know it'd be, it'd be hard to say the Lord's church is doing X today. I mean, that wouldn't make sense for, for average English explanation. But really, in my mind, I should think that way, that love is not interested in building its own kingdom. Love wants to build God's kingdom. God wants, God wants us to build neighborhoods, not kingdoms. He wants us to build bridges to people. He wants us to turn our lives in, into a, a funnel that pours people into God's love. I, I, I've watched people who idolize success. Buildings, budgets, and baptisms. 
If I have those three things, buildings, budgets, and baptism, I must be doing God's will. Again, I refer you back to the Old Testament and the prophets. Not every one of those people would have been successful. Paul wouldn't have seen to be successful. He went to prison. Can't be successful if you go to prison, right? But yet he did, and he was in God's eyes. Love doesn't try to accomplish God's will through human rules, through regulations or process. Not by my might, not by my power, but what? By his spirit, says the Lord. Love's not condemning of others' efforts to improve itself. I'm going to put a tag right there and stop and look at this next week and continue what love and what love is not from this passage of Scripture. I hope that we recognize that these passages are directives to us. They're marching orders. I look at this passage and it motivates me to be a different kind of person. This is not worldly, this is godly. And the world won't accept it, will it? No, it'll fight against it. It'll embarrass you, it'll tell you you're wrong, you know. Again, it'll call you uh, all sorts of names. But the fact is, they're not going to judge me, he is. And so I want to do what he wants. And so I'm going to see that love is not a denigration It is not a weakness. I won't give in to depression because I'm not as successful as the world wants or even what other Christians want. Some people act like because if you don't go to a big church, then there must be something wrong with you or your church. It's not true. God put you here for a reason, and it's to love everyone else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and ask you to be with us as we love you. We look at this passage and we recognize um, love is strong, is not weak. And help us to be lifted up, buoyed up, that the love of God that is in us is stronger than the hate of the world. Give us your love every day, Father, as we submit ourselves to you. We pray in your holy name, amen. Dismissed to Finger Food Fellowship, amen.